Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I hope you enjoy today's episode. This conversation that you're about to listen to came from a Brave Co. Q&A session with my son, Jason Valentin, on my social media accounts. I hope you enjoy it. Dad, thanks so much for uh, jumping on here yeah. and taking some time to do this. Yeah, I love it. I appreciate it. Um, hey, so we want to dive in and talk about manhood and masculinity. I mean, the reason why we're doing this, we have a big conference coming up. We do. Uh, June 21st through the 23rd. We, uh, you're speaking, John Bevere's speaking. We're doing a whole bunch of stuff. But, man, we are pushing uh, to get the word out because we want to raise healthy whole men who raise healthy whole families um, who can, you know, essentially heal our, our, our country and our world. And so we believe in manhood and masculinity so much, but there's a lot of confusion around what it means to be a man and a healthy man. What do you think healthy masculinity is then? I, I think that one of the, you know, the traits of, of masculinity, we, we always say, you know, uh, you know, provides, promotes, and protects. And I think in, when you look around a culture right now, culture's in a, a crisis. And you could always say culture's in a crisis at some time, you know, but culture's in a, in a, a severe crisis in the exact areas where men were called to actually engage in culture, in the provision, pr promotion, and protection. And we see, you know, the transgendering of children is just everywhere. I mean, it, it's on every single social page. It's been talked about on both sides of the aisle. It's been talked about, you know, by people in the school system, people in government, people in the you know, religious world, people in the business world. I mean, everybody right now is engaged in this cultural war over who will protect our children and who will influence our children. And our, as you know, Jay, we have this conversation, but our schools have become, you know, instead of educational institutions, they become indoctrinational institutions. And a lot of that, in my mind, you know, what set that up is the absence of what's happening at home. You know, so the school was trying to play a role, and I, I, you know, not very done very well. Our school is trying to play a role that was never, in my mind, should have been um, delegated to a school system. Like schools should not teach our children yeah. the core values of life. They should not be teaching our children the core values of sexuality. They should not be teaching our our children the core values of of manhood and womanhood. That that is not their duty. That is the duty of uh, a dad and mom at home in a healthy home but in the absence of you know a healthy home culture all these other entities and i would say also i would add it to the church i would add the an unhealthy church culture um i would say that in the vacuum of that vortex the educational system which is supposed to be teaching our kids basic you know math english history geography sort of thing you know, they, they have engaged, but they got engaged early on, 50 years ago, because of the erosion of the family. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we are, we are just, we're just stepping into the battle. We are like, the battle is raging. You know, when I say we're late, I don't mean we're too late. Like, I don't mean, well, yeah. it's too late. It's all falling. You know, I just mean, you know, where are you know, where are the masculine men who refuse to be, you know, intimidated by the demonic forces that want to stifle our voice and 
emasculate our, our, our men and, and, you know, basically chase our children into a cesspool of um, not just immorality and impurity, but I, like the crisis and identity that I've never seen in my 68 years on the planet. So, yeah, that was a long answer, but I'm really passionate about the season we live in. Uh, it's true. I think a lot of the a lot of the challenge right now is most men don't know what it means to be a man. Yeah. Right. So I mean, this act just really practically, and I think that's why there's so much uh, confusion in culture today. Because uh, John Eldridge said, masculinity is not something a, a man is born with; it's something that's poured into a man. And if you don't have a father around or a group of men around that say, hey, here's how we behave. This is what feels normal. This is what doesn't feel normal. You know, this, these are the boundaries. Then kids are, uh, guy, boys are left to themselves to try to figure out what it means to be a man. And out of that, you know, when, when you're born, all of your presets that you see life through are gifted to you. It's supposed to be this inheritance, right? So we are programmed, we are wired. It's not a cult type wiring, but we are programmed from kids to start to learn who we are Mm -hmm. and how valuable we are in this world and and what our role is in this world. And so for instance, you know, I grew up in a home, of course your home, where my dad taught me what it's like to work hard, to wrestle hard, to use my strength, but also restrain my strength to not hurt the girls the same way that I would try to wrestle hard with you. And you taught me uh, what it was like to to get into sports and to work through the pain of not winning all the time and going through losing seasons and to continue to, to work hard and press in. You taught me all kinds of things that uh, – that said, this is what it means to be a man. I remember just a small conversation we had when I was young about not wanting to go to youth group. And I've yeah. talked about this so many times, but you, you told, I remember telling you, I don't want to go to youth group. And you said, son, going to church for yourself, going because it's fun, going because it's exciting, that's the lowest level in the kingdom. But you're here to give. You're here to find out what people need and to give, right? I remember as a young man showing up to church early and staying late. We always stayed late. And it wasn't because we were trying to win an award. We weren't trying to up the Joneses next door. We weren't trying to compete with the Johnsons. You had a core value of serving and servanthood. And I remember uh, you just over and over again uh, teaching me things like, son, you don't have to go to church. You get to go to church. Like, this is a privilege. And this is what it means so to me, this is the key. This is what it means to be a valentin. And when I was a boy, what it meant to be a valentin was that we showed up on time, that we stayed late, that we made sure that people were taken care of. I remember mom and you, uh, when we didn't have any money, bringing people groceries in the church who didn't have groceries. You know, that's part of, so what, what started to shape in me as a young man is I protect, I provide, and I promote, but I saw it every day and the actions and interactions that you and mom had. And, you know, today, children are growing up without mom and dad in the home, or without dad in the home, really, without a father present. And we know that when fathers aren't present in the home, <coughs> that what happens is there's so much animosity between 
the the man the woman and the man now right you got me pregnant and you wanted to have a bunch of fun but now you're not here to raise the kids so that taints the way that we that women see men it also taints the way that children see men too right because who wants to be like that guy who came and got my mom pregnant and then supposed to be my dad but he's not here so a lot of masculinity a lot of what people think is masculine in our culture today isn't actually masculine it's toxicity and it's not that guys are toxic it's that the behavior is toxic to come and take something because you want it is a toxic gross thing to come and pour yourself out to be the greatest servant of all is what God's called us to and so I think there's so much confusion around what it means to be a man and how a man behaves in culture and the, the truest thing and we see this with Jesus and the disciples the, the Jesus came to the disciples and he said hey come follow me I'll make you something I'll make you great you're not gonna make yourself great I will make you great but it's gonna cost you everything and that's the family model isn't it is I don't wake up in the morning with my five kids and my wife I don't wake up in the morning and think what do I want today what's gonna make me have fun today what's gonna be the best for me but I my inside of my responsibility comes my purpose right being a man so awesome because I have all this responsibility but in fulfilling that responsibility and laying my life down like like Christ says uh, husbands nourish and cherish your wife right like my job is to lay down my life as a man for my family in doing that I get back this incredible sense of purpose and responsibility and meaning and I know I'm taking this far but I just really want to hit on why why it's so important to grab onto the masculinity the manhood the role part that God gave us because so many men are trying to feel fulfilled in this world trying to figure out who they are but they've thrown off the responsibility because being a responsible man you know it's hard if you didn't see that model for you but then when you grab onto that responsibility it's actually your greatest sense of purpose and so now we we talk about this all the time we want men to be activated in who God's called them to be but it's really challenging right now because it really wasn't modeled for men very well uh, what they should be going after yeah and you know um, backing up just a little bit to modeling is the identity piece that you touched on in you know early in your conversation and that just to be clear like it is the male it is the man's sperm that determines the sex of the child if it's xy or xx and so right we see in creation because romans 1 says god's invisible attributes his eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen over what he made so we see see that the role of manhood the role of fatherhood let's say fatherhood yeah. to de help determine or help discover and help mold the identity of both male men and women girls and boys is predetermined right in the right right after pregnancy or right during pregnancy and that it is the male who determines it is the father who determines the sex to the children and then in almost every culture on earth when a man and woman marry they take on the name most often of the husband so this is the Valentine home it's not the Talbert home even though that was the 
maiden name of, of Kathy's maiden name. And, and what I'm getting at is that men and women are equally powerful, but they are distinctly different. And when you take men out of homes, the first thing that's lost, the first thing that's lost isn't provision. The first thing that's lost is identity. So, you know, I watched it, and I'm sure this, I'm sure most everyone has watched this too. I'm I'm watching this interview with several, uh, you know, political activists, and they ask him the question, what is a woman? And they literally, literally, these are 15-minute answers to nothing. Like, actually, the answer is, well, whatever, whatever she thinks she is. <laughs> you know, we have this crazy idea, right? Because it's like, I want to, I'm, I'm a man, I want to transition to a woman. What are you transitioning to? You have no, you have no definition. So, yeah. you know, these, these are these crazy kind of deep rooted, who am I? And then part two, what is it I'm supposed to be doing? And thirdly, if, if this is who I am, this is what I'm called to, to be, this is what I'm called to do, then how do I behave? Yeah. Like all of this is, all of this is, revolves around, you know, dad being home. And when yeah. dad's not, not home, you know, the next thing that happens is, well, now, now we have such a crisis. I mean, what used to happen is we send our kids to school to, uh, and we educate them and we keep educating them. We send them a higher education, and and the the real motivation for that is if you learn enough, you'll figure out who you are. Yeah. And edu- education never creates identity, and not 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 positive identity. It creates performance identity. Yeah. Well, you know the the question that every man has in his heart is, do I have what it takes? Right. Totally. And. The, the challenge is just that question never goes away. And a woman has in her heart, do I, am I worthy to be pursued, right? So we have these questions growing up that are inside of us, and we spend our whole entire life trying to answer that question that was supposed to be answered through, through your parents, right? Through different challenges that your father gives you while standing next to you, through uh, your upbringing. And so, you know, I really do feel for people who were never given... Uh, who are never given the opportunity to have that question answered in a healthy way. And honestly, I don't blame a lot of people in the world who have so much confusion over who are they and what does it mean to be a woman or what does it mean to be a man because they didn't grow up like me. They didn't grow up in a home where... So I remember, Dad, growing up every single day, at least that I remember, you would tell me I'm special. You'd say, you're not like everyone else. You're special. You're unique. And... and you know, we spent a lot of time with you and mom praying over me, a lot of time going to uh, um, prayer in the evening, just like so much time, right? Mm-hmm. Being invested in you're special, you're important, God's got a call on you, you prophesying over me when I was young and growing up in that culture, people pouring into me. And so growing, growing older, I didn't have to answer the question, do I have what it takes by going and sleeping with a girl or by drinking alcohol? The truth is growing up, I never smoked one cigarette. I never drank any alcohol. I never did. I never slept around at all because I didn't need it. I didn't have this huge void in my life yeah. that said, somebody heal me, somebody see me, somebody affirm me. I had a mom and a dad that saw me, loved me, affirmed me. And now, here's the thing. Now we have a whole bunch of men in the world today who didn't get that. Okay, listen. 
it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. It's your responsibility. And guys are asking the question, okay, how do I get to the spot where I have healthy masculinity? And the, the, the answer is, how do I get into a place where I have healthy identity? It's an identity crisis. How do I see myself the way that God sees me? Dad, would you touch on that just a little bit? Yeah, you know, uh, I love the phrase, it takes a village, because it really takes a village. Yeah. And, you know, the restoration of identity in the, in the loss of fatherhood is really coming, really happens, and this is why we developed Breakco, really, because the restoration of that happens with other men. And it, yeah. it, it, it happens in, the, in a group of, of healthy men who are running with you and who are, are saying to you, you are enough, and they are just discovering you, like, I'll say it this way, future, present, because, you know, you, what, what you need is a group of people, a group of men, healthy people, healthy men, that can identify you future, present, and not identify you past, present, meaning I am my failures. I am my insecurities. I am, and it's like, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We need to take a big old eraser and go, that, listen, that past, present idea is not who you are. As Paul pointed out, remember the Apostle Paul, you know, the great murderer of Christians in the first century, he said, forgetting what lies behind and pushing forward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, I lay hold of that of which I was laid hold of for. And I think that, you know, there is, a, there is a lingering sense that because I lacked what I lacked in childhood, I could never apprehend again. And I'm like, that is a big old huge lie because I did not have good fathers. Yes. I was abused as a son. I was called a stupid ass. I was told that I, that, that, that I, I was worthless, that I was, I was, I was born to be seen and not heard. I mean, like, I was proactively reduced by two fathers. And yet, I lived a super healthy life, a great identity. It did take me a long journey to get there, um, you know, 44-year 40, journey to get there. But I'm here. And now I'm like, okay, let me go back and show you the way. Let me, yeah. do, let, let me show you the way I got here. It, let, me, let us show you the way we got here because... My, my, my 43 year journey could have been a year journey, but I didn't know where I was yeah. going and I had to find my way by myself. And I think that's what happens in, you know, I, I, I'm putting in a plug for break code, but actually there are many groups of men who are gathering right now who are saying to young and old men who, who were born, raised, or somehow lost their fathers or their fathers were just absent, like you. You are enough, and let me show you the way to identity, and let's talk about not where you've come from, but who God says you are. And I say knowing each other after the Spirit is so important. And I had people pour into me. You know, I've shared so many stories. Art Kipperman was my first uh, man who ever discipled me the first day I got saved. You know, Bill Johnson, obviously, another man named Bill Derryberry, whom we just buried last year. And these are real men who did, Jay, what you're saying I did for you. They did for me. And they, they confronted my lack of identity and spoke into me about, they spoke into me 
God's identity for me, and it, it changed my life and forever. Yeah, I, it really, honestly, is what I love about what we're what we're doing and what we have done. You know, last year at Braveco, we discipled five hundred guys for a whole entire year. These are guys that that dedicated one one day a week to jump into a group with other guys, open up their heart, really share what's going on in their life. And to me, there's no substitute for being known. There's no substitute yep. for being for running with a group of men yeah. who are successful, calling you up to a higher standard. You know, one of the things that you taught me when I was young is that repentance restores the standard in our life. And the thing is, like, if you've been on the wrong track, we don't just say, I'm sorry, because everybody's sorry. But repentance means to change the way that you think. And when you do that, what happens is, you now get to start over again, right? Like, but you get to start over with all of that knowledge. And so many guys are trying to make this switch, make a change in their life, but they're trying to do it on their own. And the truth is, is like the self-made man is a myth. That's just our ego trying to protect us from what other people really think. But you really want to know what other people really, really think, healthy people think, because they're the ones that are supposed to give you uh, input and counsel and, and, and connection, all those things that really help fuel us. And I think uh, if we could, as men, get rid of this idea that somehow I'm going to do, I'm going to figure all this out on my own. I remember when I was 15, Dad, um, I remember you sitting me down and you telling me, hey, I want you to make all of your mistakes while you're at home because you have me and you have mom to help you. It's the opposite of what the message most of my friends got, yeah. even at church. Most of my friends in church and at home was, you need to perform like this. You're not doing good enough. You know, you're, you're not paying attention enough. You're not, and because really the parents in the church couldn't handle mistakes. But you and mom had this idea that I'm your greatest tutor. I'm your greatest place of strength. I'm your greatest place of help, obviously besides God. But I'm here to model God in your life while you're young. And that's what we want to do for men, right? Is we want to get men in an environment where they can make mistakes. They can fail successfully. They can take risks. They don't have to perform for love, but they perform from love. And that journey, it, listen, men, if you're trying to get healthy identity into you, don't do this journey on your own. Because what took, down, like what you just said, what took you 40 years to do, I'm watching guys going through Brave Co. I'm watching them get there. Uh, in a year, honestly, married divorces and all these things that, that they're on the brink and on the edge of divorce, of addiction, struggling with all that stuff. In a year, they're breaking that stuff off their life and completely repenting and heading a completely different way. It's not a it's not a testimony of Braveco. It's a testimony of the what God designed community and unity to do in our lives is to put us on the right path. Um, I'm just going to plug it again. We have a conference our Braveco Men's Conference, June 21st through the 23rd. Uh, what I love about what we're doing, I'm going to ask another question in a minute, but I want to I want to explain something. So this isn't like a normal conference, and a lot of people uh, who've been to a lot of conferences are like, man, I don't really want to go and sit at another conference. You're not. So for starters, every man that comes to the conference is getting put into a team. So he's not going to the conference on his own, even though you could come on your own, but you're going to be in a group of men 
that has a leader and co-leaders that have been praying for you, planning for you, thinking about you. So you're not even going to go through the conference alone. You sit together. All the ministry time is going to be done in a group so that you can really dive deep and go deep with your brothers. And then on Thursday of the conference, we're taking half the conference and we're doing these massive team challenges, team competitions together, which helps to bond guys together. Listen, we're not measuring who's the loser. We're, we're, we're doing stuff that gets guys out of the seats and into honestly having fun with one another because there's nothing like uh, when you do some challenges together, there's nothing that bonds you together like that. And then we'll do some impartation and stuff uh, after. But here's the thing I've been telling guys a lot. So many guys are lonely. They're so lonely. Businessmen, fathers, you know, they're just so lonely. And they're lonely because you can be in a church of 10,000 like ours and still not know the guy that's sitting next to you. But when you come to an event like this and you get infused with a bunch of other men, it catalyzes connection. And so I've been telling guys so much, like, come, give three days of your life to build really strong connections, which will start to then build that connection and relationship in your life that you've been craving. And so I'm super excited. If you can't make it in person, uh, we're doing, we have online and we're doing the games and stuff online as well. So you won't miss out a ton. Uh, it's going to be really phenomenal. So <clears throat> um, I mean, I'm excited for that. Dad, we're going to take a couple questions. Yeah. Uh, if you guys are on here and you want us to answer some questions, we'll take a couple questions uh, from people. Um, Jay, before we do yeah. that, I, I just want to make a, a, uh, one point. The greatest... The greatest fear we have is the fear of the unknown. And when I live isolated, like we're talking about, or out of connection, and I hear about, you know, a gathering, because I, I don't think this is, this is like way more like a gathering than a conference. It kind of scares the crap out of me. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like, yeah, I'm not sure. I want to be known because I because I still have this fear that I'm 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 not enough. And when I gather with other men, it just highlights I'm not enough because I'm thinking everyone else has got this and I don't, or I'm not very spiritual, or and and I, I just I just want to really challenge the guys who will watch this, and maybe even the women who will watch this for their own men, you know, and say the first element to change is courage yeah and i feel so much i'm sorry i feel strongly that the lord is exhorting people who men who will watch this maybe you're 40 like me like i i didn't learn how to be a man until i was in my 40s yeah like step over the chicken line if you don't do it for yourself you know, do it for your spouse, do it for your, your children, do it for your children's children. Maybe you're even single. But there are people who are depending on you stepping over the chicken line. And it takes courage, but courage isn't, you know, a, a courage is fear that said it's prayers. Yeah. And so the beginning of all change for all of us, for you, Jay, for me, is that I do something. That's super uncomfortable, and, and I 
and I step into places that are like doesn't feel doesn't feel it feels scary. Yeah. And you know the people that need this gathering the most are the people that probably are the most scared to be a, yeah. a group of people where I can't just sit and listen to a teaching and, and hide, but I'm actually in a group of men who are I'm going they're gonna actually get to know me. Yeah. And that feels super scary to me when I feel inadequate. But I want to tell you this. If you come to this conference as a, a, a you know as a fifteen year old or a fifty year old, and you don't have a significant transformation in your life, we will give your money back. Yeah, I agree. Because I believe that you're that even you're even watching this because the Lord is taunting you. Or can I say enticing you to step over that line and to kill that freaking giant in your life that has taunted you and scared you? It's the giant of I, I don't I, I I I fear what I don't understand and I fear what I where I've never been before. And ultimately my promised land lies in a place I've never been before. And so yeah. well, I just wanted to say prophetically that I feel like there are men's hearts that are watching this that your heart is burning, but you're, you're, you're afraid. And I know that fear so well. Part of the reason it took me so long to really, really just find my identity was comparing myself to other men and not wanting to be in the presence of great people. Yeah, it's the fear of rejection. Yeah, that I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be enough and the men aren't going to, they're not going to like me. Yeah. But anyway, I wanted to say that before we got into questions because I've been kind of over here just saying, man, the people who really need to come are the people who are watching this and they're like, they're afraid. And I certainly know that fear well. You know, every man has a, a hidden fear that, that he's a poser. Yeah. That someone's going to look inside of him and find out that he isn't really who he thinks that he is. All of us, you know, like I told the story about, you know, uh, having such a great dad on this. And I remember when I wrote my manual, my counseling manual, right? I mean, you encouraged me, hey, you need to write your counseling. You, you need to teach people how you do what you do. So I wrote my counseling manual. I got three quarters of the way done, and I, I didn't finish it. And I remember you coming in like six months later, and you said, hey, how are you doing on that manual? And I said, oh, I don't know. I, I, haven't, I haven't really finished it. And you were mad. You were like, what's wrong? Why, why are you not doing anything? And I, I remember saying to you, like, I don't know why I'm not doing anything. You're like, do you not have the content? I was like, I have content. It's almost done. And finally, I remember saying, as I was processing out loud, like, I'm just afraid that people are going to read it and realize I don't have what, like, I, this is how you've been doing this stuff the whole time. This isn't really how it's supposed to be done. And I remember you saying, well, let's send it to somebody. We ended up sending it to Mark Sharona, who's got like 19 PhDs. <laughs> and you said, you sent it to him and you said, hey, listen, please let us know if this is accurate, if it's not good. Like, don't, don't just tell me you like it because, you know, you want to make me feel good. Mark Sharona sent it back and said, hey, it's awesome. It's great. It's good to go. 
But even growing up in a home where I had a great father who loved me, cared for me, believed in me, we still battle, right? We battle this thing that says, man, do I really have what it takes? Are people really going to love me? Yeah. That's why before Jesus ever ministered, he gets baptized, right, by John the Baptist. Then he gets led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to have a showdown with the enemy. And that whole showdown, by the way, Jesus had, had been fasting. So he's hungry. He's weak. He gets into the wilderness with the devil. And the whole showdown is all about who are, do you, do you really have what it takes, Jesus? And, and the enemy saying, like, if you really are the son of God, do this. If you really are the son of God, do that. If you really are the son of God, he's trying to get Jesus to question who he really is. But when he got baptized, Jesus comes out of the water and the voice of Father God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And it's so important that that happened before Jesus ever did all of those miracles. It wasn't at the end of his life. It was at the beginning of his life where he said, listen, son, you can't do anything else to make me love you, to make me more proud. And you're right, dad. So many men look at a conference like this and they think, man, <clears throat> I'm going to get called out. I'm going to show all my stuff. People are going to laugh at me. They're not going to want me around. That's all lies. That's all wilderness stuff. That's all Jesus Jesus in the wilderness with the, with the enemy. This is the gateway to your bra greatest breakthrough. And Jordan Peterson says it like this. He says, you have to pick your pain. You either pick the pain of staying the same forever, or you pick the pain of doing something new. Totally. You have to think about what you want at the end. And so I've been telling guys this a lot. I'm all fired up about this. Uh, I've been telling guys, I told the guy today, I said, remember in Job, when God comes to Job, and he says, Job, brace yourself like a man. Stand yeah. up and brace yourself like a man, right? Like men need courage. They need, they need someone to look them in the eyes and go, listen, we're all doing the same thing. We all face the same fears. We're all on the same path. Guys, come, hang out with us, get breakthrough. And by the way, it's not just us giving stuff to you. We, there's, we need what you have. We got guys here that need what you have. And so come to give. <clears throat> all right. We're going to dive into a couple of questions okay. and then... We're going to move on. Um, somebody said, how much does masculinity get affected by false identity? You want to make this bad, Dad? I think masculinity is being, is under attack. Listen, there is a, you know, we live in this, if you're a believer, you live in the third heaven. We were raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly places. There's the second heaven. That's where the demonic realm lives. You know, Ephesians 6 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual forces, and dark in heavenly places. So here's the second heaven. And then humanity lives in the first heaven. So I, I say that because just to give you an idea. So we have a first heaven problem right now in that we have a global identity crisis. A global yeah. identity crisis. This is not an American thing. But this is a second heaven problem in that demonic forces are, I know people are like, you know, little red men with horns. It's like, no, no, demonic, the demo, there's actual real demonic forces that are over the prince of the power of the air. They're actually trying to convince men that they, first of all, aren't men, that they are women, or that they are something else, or that they're, they're 
actual like their actual sexuality or gender is actually fluid so that you know you're a jellyfish and the, and what you feel is the truth so i have my truth you have your truth but there's not the truth and and all of that is coming from this demonic realm i won't say all of it most of it's coming from this demonic realm this pressure in in which really really smart people like i mean like doctors and nurses and scientists and uh, psychologists and psychiatrists they can't answer the simplest of questions like what is a what is a man what is a woman and it's not because they're stupid it's because they're under this what the bible calls this demonic force and the way we come out of that is to actually have a third heaven victory and and we you know in which maybe this is way too spiritual for the answer but i feel like what happens when we gather if any of if two or three of you come together in my name i'll be in your midst and there's something that breaks off, off the mind of of men when there is can i say a gathering you know one will chase a thousand two will chase ten thousand there's a gathering of courageous men like a jonathan like a david that they actually break that demonic force i you know yeah and so i think that masculinity is not just first heaven under attack i think masculinity is second heaven under attack and the idea is to destroy the man and and take the planet it sounds gosh even that sounds a little you know spider-man-ish but honestly i wish it was i mean i, I wish that it was far-fetched you know yeah. really the attack on manhood and masculinity is so fierce today and you're right it's not coming from it, it didn't it didn't originate uh in the earth it, it originated in the spirit realm right yeah. the bible says that we don't battle against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities and darknesses in in the battle really is over identity that is the battle and we win that in the spirit and we pour that in in the flesh we we give yeah. people a healthy identity uh give them healthy challenges give them healthy responsibility and we watch the that principality and power be broken over our people and over our men and so that really is um where we're headed you know <clears throat> um i was gonna uh, i'm looking at one more question so he asked what's one thing that we can do towards changing the culture <clears throat> i feel like we answered a lot of that dad is there anything left that you want to hit there well you know you know what gaslighting is right gaslighting is basically yeah. you know accusing you of something making you feel crazy uh, you know, the other day, um, someone said, you know, you, you, Chris Ballatin, are trying to influence the city and city officials. And, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're, and it's like, and they're, they're taking part of what I'm called to be and do. And they're actually using it to say, and, and making it evil. Like, yeah. wow, you want to influence people. Well, I'm like, that's what voting is. Voting is yeah. influencing politics. <laughs> You know, it's uh, like, this is what we do. We show up. And, and what I'm getting at is this. There is, there is such a timid, oh gosh, I'm going to get in trouble for this. 
I, I, I mean, Christians need to show up. Like nobody is, nobody's taunting the Muslims. Nobody, yeah. nobody, nobody is, you know, saying no, no, LGBTQ people are protesting the, the mosque. Yeah, and it's because you know Christians have, have gained a reputation for being timid and passive, yeah. and, and we have embraced a part of the nature of God, but not the whole part of not not the whole part of God. And we were like, we we have embraced turn the other cheek, but we haven't embraced turn the tables over. Yeah, and that we have disappeared the the courageous side of. Of, of men has virtually disappeared. And I was in a, in a meeting recently, which I will keep private as far as where that was and who it was, but we were talking about some, some things in which evil is just perpetuating itself into our communities, into our school systems, and people are like, well, you know, live and let live, and da-da-da, and about, you know, an hour into that, I just could not take it anymore. And I'm like, all evil needs to, you know, is to 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 actually win is for good people to do nothing. Yeah. And and you know, it's like oh, we're going to be sued. We're going to be this. We're going to be that. And all of that, all of those future present ideas of evil have silenced <laughs> the voice of men. And I'm like, if if we don't show up, who's going to show up? And yeah. when are we going to show up? And you know, what we are seeing now, Jay, which is so encouraging, is we are seeing people, not just men, we are seeing men and women say, enough, like, I'm done. And, you know, again, like I said in the opening statements, it is late. It's not too late. It's just late. But I believe that the desperate always win. And what's happened in, in our homes what's happening in our schools, what's happening in our society, what's happening in, in our governments, is that we have, got, we have come to this place of desperation, and we have finally said, and we have, uh, we're, we're in an awakening. We're in a great awakening, and people are waking up to you know, the, the kingdom, and, and, and we're in a reformation in that we are reforming culture and society. Yeah. And we have finally, we have finally entered the battle. Jay, I'll, I'll, this last comment in with reference to that. In, in the movie The Patriot, you know, with uh, Mel Gibson, is a great movie. I haven't watched it for years, but the, about probably a month ago, I just, I, I thought, I think I'm supposed to watch this movie. And I put it on, and by the way, I'm not advertising as a Christian movie, but the movie, <laughs> the movie is about, it's about the, uh, you know, the, the War of Independence with the British, and you know Mel Gibson has this four, three or four sons and a daughter, and his sons want to fight for independence, and he has fought in a former war, and he knows the evils of war, and he's telling his sons and his community, "Listen, all I want is peace. I I don't want to fight." And his oldest son is like, he actually signs up. He actually he actually you know. The, he actually signs up for the for the, to be in, in you know a soldier, and his dad's mad at him, and it's you know this whole scene of his dad's like you don't understand what war is, you don't understand what's happening to you, and and you know Mel Gibson is a famous soldier from a previous war, and uh, the next so his son goes off to war, and ten minutes later the next scene is 
that cannons are going off. He hears cannons going off in his, in, in his plantation. And he looks out in front of, he comes out of his beautiful house, and there's literally a, about the British and the Americans are literally in his plantation with cannons going off, and his son runs in to his, his house. His son who joined the service comes in bloody. And, and, you know, and what happens is that the, he didn't, Mel Gibson didn't join the war, but the war did up in his front yard. And I'm watching this and I'm like, oh my God, this is not a prophetic movie. Like you didn't want, want to get involved, but it's in your freaking yard. Yep. And you better find, and, and then he goes upstairs, Mel Gibson goes upstairs and he opens this really old chest and he begins to like get his weapons from his previous war and uh, and i and and then he ends up joining the war with his sons and and i'm like and the war takes his his youngest son out right away and and all of a sudden mel gibson is like the patriot he's like listen now i'm pissed and i i'm watching this movie and i'm literally i literally haven't watched it for 10 years and i watch this movie and i'm like oh my gosh this First scene is a prophetic declaration of a whole people, a whole bunch of people said, "Live and let live." Yep. Hey, don't get, get me involved. Hey, I, let's just let's love everybody, which means let people do whatever they want. And all of a sudden, it takes out my 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 son, and the war's in my front yard, and I have it's now it's it's not live and let live. It's live or die, yeah. and this is the situation that America's in right now. And I want to say that we are calling you men to go upstairs and find your, go upstairs and find your weapons. As you know, the movie Taken, where he tells the guy on the phone who takes his daughter, I have some very unique skills that I have developed <laughs> for many years. And, I, and we have some very unique skills. We have weapons of warfare that are not carnal, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. And we need to go upstairs, open up that chest, and we need to get those weapons because we have a very unique set of skills that have been given to us that we've developed over a long period of time. And when you take our kids, you have made a serious, serious mistake. And I'm watching our kids go off to become prisoners of war, and I'm like, yeah, you have really pissed me off you have actually awakened something in me that has been asleep for a long time and i think that that is one of the reasons why we gather because we have a very unique set of skills that we've developed over a long period of time and we like to show you what those skills are <laughs> so that you, you can be a part of the answer instead of the victim of the invisible man yeah that is brilliant. Uh, we really are in a very unique, catalytic, pinnacle season right now. And what God's doing on the planet is he is banding men together. He's restoring them, healing them. It's the Malachi 6 mandate. It is, it is the time of restoration. You know, and we are uh, we're doing it. So listen, we want to invite all you guys and ladies who are watching this. We know that men... They don't sign up till the very last second. So grab your man. Uh, feel free. 
feel free to grab his wallet or if you already have his credit card, go ahead and buy that ticket for him. Uh, if you can't make it in person, you can get it online. You can do the whole thing with us. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, that is uh, June 21st through the 23rd here at Bethel Church in Redding, California. We're going to have an incredible time. Dad, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, for those of you that have been watching, thank you so much. We love you. We appreciate you. And we're so thankful uh, for everyone uh, tuning in today and hanging out with us. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.